Because if you're the 50 backstroke, was at the Olympics, I would not touch 100 again for the rest of my life. I would not yeah. be in a relay or anything. I would just go 50 free, 50 back, and 50 butterfly. Welcome to Social Kick. I'm Brian Lundquist. He's Dr. John Mullen. That's Luke Paddington in the dark. And just woken up, fresh with the tiny wiener, Isaac Cooper. What's going on? Hi, guys. This is, some- this is my tiny wiener here, just, just for context. <laughs> <laughs> Just for the record, we were talking about talking about Isaac's dog. Um, yeah. Isaac, welcome. We got a couple got a couple opening rapid fire questions for you. First of all, Ooh, okay. tracking uh, Aussie trials while the U.S. trials are going on, and I want to know yeah. why is it women thirteen and over and the men are fourteen and over at Aussie trials? Um, I don't know. It's been like that. Swimming Australia has been like that uh, ever since you come out of age group swimming. It's like the cutoff for women is one year uh, younger than men. I think it's just because of um, the way that women mature quicker than guys. It gives guys a little bit of a longer opportunity to stay in an age group event rather than swimming in the opens. They also do like 18 to 21 as well for placements at nationals. So I think it's just to give more people a more a fair opportunity based upon genetics. Mm-hmm. All right. I like that. How much did your most expensive tattoo cost? My, oh, okay. <laughs> um, my most expensive is my dad. No, <laughs> my phone on sleep. I can't do my laptop anymore. Um, my most expensive tattoo um, was. It's actually probably none of them were really that expensive. This one was probably the most expensive. I got this one done at a very good studio in um, in. Sunshine Coast? Dad, leave me alone. He can join the show if you want. We can ask him. <laughs> I was going on call. Don't call, don't call me. Don't call me. Your dad calls you at 7 a.m.? What time is it? Well, he's coming down to help me move. So oh, okay, okay. <laughs> nice. um, I will start again. Um, my f- most expensive tattoo would be this one here that I got at the Sunshine Coast. I think it was only like 600 bucks. It was actually really good but the funny thing about all the other tattoos is i got them done at like either sketchy parlors or i got them done in bali or it was just like a last minute decision and so whenever you do something like that you're not if you're paying something cheap you're probably not going to get quality so that none of them are really that expensive but that one's my favorite one as well it's a bold strategy with tattoos the impromptu tattoo Mm -hmm. i like it all right um do you think it's unfair that they call them the summer olympics when for aussies they're always in the winter um, they call the Winter Olympics. No, we don't. Well, I don't watch it, so I don't really care. I don't know if anyone else here ever watched them either. So we don't really mind all that much. <laughs> you don't watch the Winter Olympics? <laughs> That's awesome. All right, I like fair enough. get reminded that the Winter Olympics are a thing when I see something on a news or whatever. I don't think many people watch it though. <laughs> Is that why what's her name Kathy Freeman back in the day wore like the bobsledding outfit to run track events? <laughs> Probably. Wait, why would she do that? That would just mean that less people would watch because they, but maybe she's just trying to bring the audience across. What, what an to, innovator. She was trying to be, um, she was trying to be supportive of the Winter Olympians. Listen, Australia the- has the most famous winter Olympian of all time. Do you know about the Australian figure skate speed skater who won gold? You gotta, Dude. you gotta Google this. Who's listening? I don't Isaac, know. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You know the story. That yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, I watched that race. I watched that race many, many times. <laughs> Something about like the quarterfinals. He was dead last, and the top, yeah. the final, top three fell. So he won. In the semis, the top three fell. He won in the final. Something like that. Like, this won by default. Like, oh, shit. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I want to pull up the video of that. I feel, like I, I feel like I saw that guy just rolling across the line, like, looking around, going. <laughs> <laughs> Why can't that happen in swimming? Why can't I, like, everyone just stop at the 15th? We'll fall over at the 15th, and then I can just swim through. That would never what happen you- to me. So I would be one of the guys that stopped. That's what would happen if it was me in that situation. <laughs> no, it wasn't because this did happen to you and you didn't stop. <laughs> <laughs> this exact scenario happened to you and you didn't stop. <laughs> yeah, the thing is that actually, oh, this is a really 
weird conversation. So these guys all <laughs> fell over and he swam through and won and he got the gold medal. He should have had to do it again. Yes. <laughs> See? <laughs> Holy. Oh, I feel oh, the love now. No, no, I don't. <laughs> That's fine. Um, I, no, I actually really like that race and I, and I was proud of myself for being able to back up. I'm not somebody who can normally do two races fast and what they were within like 0.1 or 0.2 of each other. And I, I hopped out and I was like, I'm pretty happy that I was able to go those two times. I've never done that before. So I, I really took a positive again. Race. Was it like 20, did you get 20 minutes, an hour? How much rest did you get in between? An hour. An hour. It was an hour. I was fuming in that hour. <laughs> I didn't talk to anybody at all. Like like the head coach came up to me, he says, Isaac, you okay? And I just was just thinking. I was just trying to process how I go fast again after doing that. I was just like trying to think, what do I do swim off? What do I eat? What do I drink? What suit do I wear? That that was one of the longest hours of my life. <laughs> I think, I, I, you know, and all of us are sprinters here. Um, and, um, Wonderful. The, the, and Brian, you and Brian have been to the World Championship short course. And it, it's something to sprint and to, it's more than physically tired. You really got to dig deep to go to that special place for sprinting. And I always used to tell mm-hmm. my swimmers, you swim fast, but sprinting is that, that extra, like, mm, you got to, it's something you find. And it's very hard to, to tap into it very often. And you tap yeah. into it at the right moment yeah. and you do it again. That's so Dude. true. And the worst thing is, is when you feel it in training and you don't feel it in racing. Uh-huh. Like that's why my, from my results last week, the hundred back was awesome. I was so happy with the hundred backstroke. I was not yeah, expecting dude. to swim as fast as I did at all. Like that's, I haven't been training back end speed at all. I think that's like my fastest back end that I've ever done. <laughs> I thought that was funny. But then the 50 backstroke, I was definitely expecting a lot more from the 50 backstroke. And I think – as you said, like sometimes you just feel it and sometimes you just don't feel it. And I just, I just, it felt like terrible. It felt so bad. And backstroke's a really weird one where sometimes you swim fast, sometimes you don't swim fast, but you don't know which one it's going to be. Um, but I was happy because my 50 freestyle was pretty quick. That was a good PB, which is, which means that my 50 backstroke should be faster. I just need to do it better. And ultimately the goal of world trials is to get on the team. And so at the moment we got this little block where I'm trying to find that feel. And once I got that feel, then I'll have a very good race at Worlds. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome to hear. That's a tricky thing with trials too, um, is how, how to prepare for it. Uh, Cause there's some people at the elite level of the sport. I'm curious to know if you're one of them who can come down part of the way for trials and still expect to make the team and then plan to have like the real taper be at worlds where, yeah. how do you, how do you approach trials? Um, it depends when I remember when I went to Olympic trials, I wasn't planning on going to the Olympics. I was just planning on doing trials. It was my second open comp. So I fully tapered for that. And then since then I've had to learn how to do the, the double taper. Um, I think the difficult thing is I've, I'm sure you've heard, I've created a whole new program. This yeah. program is not in line at all with traditional swimming, especially in Australia. Um, I think mm. people, a lot of people overseas are doing something similar to what I'm doing. Um, and so for me to explain my taper, I would have to go into the new program because it's 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 very, very specific. It's not like I just deload volume or, or I change mm-hmm. one or two things. It's actually a pretty difficult process but one that I'm enjoying because it keeps me busy, keeps me entertained, and it's showing results as well. Well, tell us about that then. Go into the program because we were reading some articles about you explaining it, and it it reminded me some about the way that, um, for those who are familiar with them, the way that Michael Andrew trains, but I'm sure there's some differences too. So, um, yeah, what what is it? How would you get onto it? Um, Why does it work for you? Give, Give us the whole back end of it. I may go on to a little bit of a rant, and if if, if, I, if tell me to stop if I if I need to stop, but the beginning of the year for me was a very I was in a very bad place. I I was having a lot of mental health issues that I was experiencing that I never knew that I had, and it was so extreme to the fact that I I couldn't get out of bed. I couldn't. I wasn't eating. I lost five kilos in like three weeks. The only thing that I still did because I've created this discipline in my life was I got up and I went to the pool every day. I went to the pool and I'd come home and just sit in bed. And then I'd go back to the pool, do my session. I was still swimming like pretty well. I wasn't swimming poorly, 
I was losing so much weight though. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just got, I just kept going, kept going, kept going. And I just got to the point where I was like, I said to my, I said, I was in the pool with Ash. I said, Ash, I can't do this anymore. Like I actually, I will not finish this session. And there is a chance that I'm not coming back to this pool. And, <laughs> and he was like, all right, well, let's go. Let's go have some dinner then. And so we hopped out, went, chatted to him. And I just told him what I, well, he already knew what I've been going through. I have a very good relationship with Ash. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I just can't keep doing this anymore. And he yeah. goes, okay, so what are you going to do then? And I sort of sat down, went home, and for weeks and months I thought about it. And I have this book that I just write stuff down in, mm-hmm. and I just read over it. And I'm like, these times I was happy. These times I wasn't happy. This made me swim fast. This didn't make me swim fast. Mm-hmm. Why can't I just take what was making me happy and swim fast and put it all into one program and get rid of all the stuff that I'm not enjoying or that doesn't make me swim fast or that makes me upset and just get rid of it? And so – from then, I created a program. I don't know if I, oh, I do, <laughs> I do have it in here. But it's, hold on, real quick, can I just interject because that, that hits home so much for me because I just did the same thing from a career standpoint. I reflected on yeah. the days that brought me joy, what I liked, what were most productive days, and then what were the days where like I didn't enjoy my day and I like wanted yeah. to do something else, and I was like, well, let me just index on the good stuff, and uh, I love that approach. So and, see, anyway, yeah. and that's the thing is like you're able to use that and you're using it in life. And that's exactly what I want to do. Yeah. I go down, I go down the walk down the road and people go, Oh, that's the swimmer. That's a swimmer over there. I don't want to be known as a swimmer. Like mm-hmm. that's the last thing that I want to be known as. I want to be Isaac Cooper. Huh. And the whole thing with me designing this program and with me doing extracurricular things outside of the pool is I'm trying to create a better athlete and I'm trying to create a better person. And I want to become a, a good man. And becoming a good man is my life goal. Mm-hmm. Swimming is just a part of that. And it's, it's the lowest part of that. It then comes with athleticism. And then it comes with life decisions and, and choices. So this is just a little subsection of this big, wonderful thing of life that I'm trying to work out. Sick. But oh, yeah. anyway, you can see a little bit of an, of an insight into my brain. is like, it's just, that's what I came up with. It doesn't mm-hmm. make sense. But that's how I was sorting things out in my head with what works, when it's going to work. And then from then I created this program, which was, I know I'm powerful. I know that if you told me to go 25 with a 70 stroke rate, I could do it and it would be really, really fast, but it was not efficient. You can't do 50 meters that way. So I need to learn how to use that power efficiently. Um, And by doing that, you can't be doing 6K aerobic because you're not going to train that power. You're not going to train the right muscle mass the right muscle features like the like the fast twitch muscles so i started doing way less aerobic stuff started doing way more technique swimming uh way more drag power stuff and my tech i just had more energy to swim better and then Mm -hmm. obviously because i'm dropping i think i dropped nearly 20 kilometers a week you you still need to be fit and yeah. so I looked at what sports I enjoy, what sports I did as a kid, what sports I would like to do, and these that's where I'm going to get my fitness from. Hmm. So I go and I do half an hour of tennis with a with an instructor, and then I play a game, an hour game with my coach because he goes there with his kids. Um, I'll go surfing two, three times a week for at least an hour, no more than two hours, because I love surfing. And then you you create you get core connection. You're still getting the aerobic conditioning of paddling. Yeah. And it's good. It's good. I go out there just to meditate sometimes. Yeah. I just sit out behind the waves and not even surf, just to sort of be calm and work everything out. And then two reasons for MMA is I <laughs> I really like sometimes well, my brother and I would fight all the time. You know, I, I come from like like a tussle sort of family, nothing bad. <laughs> but I think that as I was saying before, like I'm looking to become a better man. And I think a man should be able to defend himself and he should be able to take care of himself. And I know that if I was ever put in a position where if somebody came at me or my family, then I would not really be able to do anything about that. And that distresses me as a man that I'm not, I'm not being responsible for my family. Hmm. And so then I bring that sort of situation in still for fitness and uh, an aerobic capacity connection, learning new things. But that is also a very important part for me working out life and becoming a better man. That's yeah, my rant. Yeah. Oh, oh, good. And thanks for sharing that. I mean, I think 
it sounds so easy or like, oh yeah, this is obvious. This is what people should be doing. Do what you enjoy, do what you love, use it for sporting growth, but also life growth. But as you said, not many are doing it, especially in, it seems like countries that have had so much success already, it's hard to change that over. So why do you think Swimming Australia is kind of lagging behind some of that movement and kind of going in with some of the, the sprinter um, mindset or, or culture and just acceptance that, hey, some people are more geared towards high velocity, high intensity training with a little lower volume. This is where you get into the controversial sort of topics, which I love. <laughs> Let's get into it. Um, the, I've spoken to a lot of swimmers who, well, Cam McAvoy is probably one of the first people in Australia to start changing. So he changed, yeah. he changed maybe he started after the Olympics, so maybe a year before I started to change my program. And I, I, he inspired me for sure. And mm. so many people look at him, people I know, and would just say, no, he's never going to swim fast. He's not going to be able to taper. He's done, all this sort of stuff. I'm like, I'm like, why do you say that? This guy's doing one thing different. We're all doing the same thing. And I'm like, this people who are saying that are doing, you know, 30, 40K a week, doing the same thing every day, not trying to – not. they're like – I don't understand why I'm not swimming fast because you're doing the same thing every day. Yeah. Um, and so to me, it does make sense. It is common sense. Every time I've swum, I've thought I shouldn't be doing this. And, and I can't imagine people not doing this. Sorry, weenie's going off. Um, I can't, I don't actually understand why people are in that mindset because it is common sense really. It's like yeah. people are ignoring what their mind is telling them and just doing what other people are, are telling them to do. They're just being sheep. We need to have some more more shepherds around <laughs> and leading the way. Um, and, I, and people come up to me and they say, you're just lucky, like you're talented. I couldn't get away with that. Like, And, and these people who are coming up to me and saying that are way more talented than I am. Like, these are Olympic champions, world record holders, like Olympic record holders. I'm like, no, you are way more talented than I am. You're, what you're doing obviously works. If this, this is the right program for you, then don't change it. But then I'm not saying that my program is better than yours or that your program is better than mine. I'm just trying to show that there are other ways to do it. And I think that there is a best way to do it for each person. And I'm closer to that goal now than I was a year ago or two years ago. Uh, thank you for sharing. Yeah, thank you. And, you know, we're big fans with what you're saying. Um, do you... I was asking the guys, I want, to, I want to talk about this later, if you think it's harder to make the US team or make the Australia team. And one of the reasons I was talking about that is the pressure that I find the media and the public put on swimmers in Australia. Uh, two weeks ago, Sydney Morning Herald wrote an article about you and, and, your, and, and, your, and your new training environment. I was telling John and Brian, there's no way the New York Times, Washington Post, we write an article on Shane Cassis or Hunter Armstrong. You, no way, like on anything. But the Morning Herald yeah, cared a really big article about you and your training environment. Do you feel this pressure? Do you feel like you have to like, like prove yourself? You, like, it's okay, guys. It's going to be okay. I'm changing my environment. I'm, do you feel pressure or you don't give a shit? Just do it. Um, that is a good question. When it comes to performance, I don't care. No problem at all. Yeah. I race. That's what I do. Everything else, yeah, I do feel a lot of pressure. I really – I don't enjoy it yeah. at all. I went, yeah. I went into that – media interview and it's really funny i read something that brett hawk posted today or yesterday where he said i've always had a great respect for reporters um and now i'm working with them and i'm like and i i have respect for them as a person like yeah. no disrespect intended i've gone i went on a rant with them that was maybe like 10 minutes long after my race i'm cooked i don't want to have this conversation but i'm trying to help other people and encourage other people and they take like the first thing that i said which was swimming letters less is better like, that's not true. That's no. just something funny that I said as I walked through the door. And so that's what I don't like about it. And because yeah. then people come around, come up to me and they're like, oh, this arrogant prick, you know, he thinks that he can just swim less and then everyone else yeah. swims less and then, and then that's how it's work. I'm actually training harder. I'm training way more. I'm just in the pool less. Um, I think that with performance, a lot of like, a lot of the athletes don't really aren't really bothered. Like one or two athletes get in, uh, interviewed at the end of a race at Aussie trials and the people who are going to win, like 
are often people who know how to talk to the media and will be able to work it out. Um, and if you don't want to, you can just walk away. And I've done that before because I throw up after a race. So it's like I can't do it. Um, I still think that I would not make a team. I still would not have made a team if I was swimming in America. That's full really? stop. I would not. I wouldn't think I would even make a final. Well, it's I'm interesting. That, that, yeah. So, yeah, it's it, – well, let's get into it then quickly. But I still want to talk about your taper and you're doing. But we can get into it right now. The fifth day back final to make the world team for America is going on. And it was like 24-2 top seed, 25-0 um, the eighth seed, right, to get into the final. That's almost what it took to make the finals of world championships, right? Um, what, what, was the, what was the eighth time? 25. So it took, what, 24-7 to make finals of Worlds? Probably like that? 24, 20, 24, yeah, 24-7. I went 24-6. Yeah, 24-6, right. So it's pretty close. So the performance and the depth in America has always been pretty deep. But yeah. sometimes that is to your advantage, Isaac, that you have somebody who can push you. But the, you guys had a much higher qualifying time, a, a more stringent qualifying time, Right. Didn't you in your hundred back, which was we could talk about that and the media attention, like I said as well. I think there's so much more pressure. You start in those blocks, not just for you to swim well, but like I don't know all the other pressure. You should, what article is going to be written tomorrow by X newspaper? So I don't know which is harder. Do you think it's harder to make the US team or the Australia team? Yeah, US team's yeah, way US harder. Team. Yeah, way way harder. Like, yeah. it, but for me, performing is not an issue. I can go behind a block whenever you tell me to, wherever you want me to, and I will swim fast. That is not an issue to me. The other things are like get, you can definitely get stressed about it and getting anxious or whatever, yeah. but but I don't really in racing because they're just reflecting upon a swim. And as I said, if I'm behind a block, I'm going to swim fast. So they're going to be reflecting upon that swim, and I know that's going to be a good swim. So then I don't get stressed about it. Whereas if I was in U.S., and I was swimming the times that I'm currently swimming. Like in Australia, no one's going to touch me in the 50 backstroke. There's not many sprint backstrokers in Australia at the moment. I'm not worried about that swim at all. Whereas if yeah. I was an American swimming the 50 backstroke, swimming as fast as me, there's still a chance that you might not make the team. And I think yeah. I'm like top five in the world at the moment. You could be yeah. top three in the world and not make a world team in America. And that's crazy. They do, they do set the higher times. Um, for swimming Australia, which is because I don't really know. It's, it's I don't really know. I don't disagree with it. I don't agree with it. I understand why they do it, but I don't yeah. think that they should do it. It's because they're trying to get the top eight times so that the people that they get on the team are, are going to be medal contention, and then they're not. I, I'm a, I don't really know why they do that. They don't want more people on the team. It's it's kind of strange. You, you, you must be disappointed. You won't get an individual swimming though. You won the 100 back. I mean, you did, you did almost your best time. Well, I do get an individual swim because it was a Fina Ray time. Oh. You still get it because you're on the team. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, but do you know who they I do? picked you on the relay, but they give you a swim individually. Okay. Yeah, because it's under the Fina qualifying time. It's just because right. they have to take me away for a relay because I need backstroke circus for relays. And that's, right. what I, that's what I said to my coach before that race. I was like, nobody in Australia is going under 53 but the person who wins will go away on the team. And so when I was standing behind the blocks, I could not care less what time I was going to go. I just wanted to beat the guy next to me. And that's what I did. <laughs> I raced the guy next to me and I beat him. And that was my race plan. Because, because I knew that if I won, then I would make the team. Nobody's going to go on the qual time. Right. But, yeah. but for that, the one thing that people that I do feel bad for are people like Tom Nowakowski. So he went to Worlds last year for the 50 freestyle. He went a 21.86 and the qual time was 21.83. He didn't make the team. That's his main event. I went 22 double O because I've already made the team for the fit for the 100, 200 backstroke and my time was under the FINA A time. I'm swimming 53 style at Worlds. So I went slower than him at trials, made it in a different event under the FINA A time and I'm racing the event that he could have been racing in. I feel bad yeah. for people like that. I feel like that's when, that's when that rule is a bit weird. Well, so Isaac, that, that hits home some with me and I want, I want to get back to the why behind why Australia does that. But um, so 2009, 
uh, well, so now U.S. trials are going on right now, and they have 50s of stroke that are uh, part of the selection criteria at the selection meet. I love um, that. I think so. Much. I think. <laughs> I love that. I love that too. But in my era, they didn't have the fifties of stroke at the selection yeah. meet for worlds. All they did was take the team to worlds and they gave away the exact same medals that they give away for all the other events. But they said, okay, the people who qualified in the hundred fly, let's say you're the ones who get first dibs at swimming the 50. Or mm-hmm. if one of them didn't want to do it and maybe there was a 50 freestyler who was better suited to swim a 50 fly, then they let them do it. And so what happened to me was, um, I had like the, the, I went on the the week after the trials because there was no trials. I time trialed the 50 butterfly at our trials and went like 23.2. And then a week later, I went 22.9. Well, my time, if it was placed at Worlds, and who knows if I would have produced the same result, but that would have been fourth place in the final at at Worlds in 2009. Um, The next fastest American was a full second slower than the time that I went that year. And it was just laughable to me because it was like, what do you, why are we doing, why are we doing this? We've got somebody at home who is fast enough to nearly medal. And then you've got nobody else there who's going to even come close. So I, I think it, it just to your point, it's like they should have the best person to swim the event. They're swimming in. Yeah. It's, be- it's because oh, I get so frustrated about this. It's because it's not an Olympic event. I'm like, it's an event at every other competition in the world at every other time, <laughs> apart from once every four years, they don't swim three events and then it's completely disregarded as anything. And so I'm like, I get so frustrated by that because if the 50 backstroke was at the Olympics, I would not touch a hundred again for the rest of my life. I would not yeah. be in a relay. Or I would just do 50 free, 50 back and 50 butterfly. That's what I would do. Dude. <clears throat> the and, only and reason... The only reason I do the hundred backstroke is to get on the team. I don't, I don't care after that. I do it so that I can go do the fifties. Then I make I the it. team hundred so I can go and do the fifties at work. I really wanted to do the fifty butterfly, but it was on the same day as my hundred backstroke, and I was sort of sitting there thinking, you know, I haven't done a lot of aerobic training. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I'll be able to back up. I don't know, like I don't know how much I, I was. I didn't know what my program would do or would, what it would produce. Um, if I was to do it again, I would have done the 50 butterfly. And I think that I, well, I would have done well. Um, and, I, and it's a shame that I don't get to race that at Worlds this year. But, but yeah, that's a brief summary of what my plan is. <laughs> it, it is a shame that those 50 strokes aren't emphasized more because we're starting to see it a little bit in the 50 free where it's like, okay, we have the 50 free and we're finally having people that will lean fully into the 50 free, like, like maybe what Cam's doing and, and like what Ben Proud's doing. But for a while, that was never happening. And in the 50 strokes, that's not going to happen until those 50 strokes are on the same level there because we should see people doing the best that they can and putting their eggs in that basket. Like you said, you might do. Yeah. And maybe like yeah. Santos is doing in the 50 fly and why he's still dominating because everyone else is still having to train 100 fly. And he's yeah. just like, all right, I'm just going to wreck a 50 fly. That's exactly right. I'm a 50 meter swimmer. I have to swim 100 because of the rules placed around me getting on a team. Um, and that's why I was like, I don't like swimming hundred. Every time I swim a hundred backstroke, I'm sitting on the side of the pool, throwing up. I'm in pain. I promise myself I'm never doing this swim again. And I keep on breaking that promise to myself. Um, and so I, that's why I got, I still do hundred pace training every now, like once a week. Um, but the reason I created this program is because I'm like, I can go out fast. I can go out really fast. And I'm not training to go fast. Imagine if I actually train to be fast. So that's what I do. Right now I'm training to be fast. I'm not training to swim 100. I'm not training to be fit. I'm training to be fast. Does any part of you think that if you did specifically train to be fast, that it actually might not make you as fast? It sounds like no, but sometimes you never know like what's actually doing the work for you, you know? You did say more sprint training has helped your, and then your 100 back half was faster here. Does well, that's, the, that's the thing I say to people, and people look at me and they're like, "What are you talking about?" But if you train for me to have a faster back end speed, I said I went up to Ash. I was like, "Ash, look, I know that we need to work on my back end, <clears throat> and this is why. This is what I think we should do. We should not train back end and just train front end, so that I can do a front end time easily and then have more energy for the back end." And he looks and like everyone. Everyone looks at me like, what? What are you talking about? <laughs> and I was like, just, 
Ash, you're gonna have to trust me on this one. He's like, all right, we worked it out. I wanted 27-4 on the back. That's the fastest back end I've ever had. So it, I, just, I haven't done any back end training in like a year. <laughs> so training speed to some people, yes, it could kill their speed, but but those people aren't then doing the right speed program for them. I'm very aware of my body and I know what I need. I know what I need to swim fast and how I need to feel and I can do that. And I have a coaching background. I've done courses in swimming. I've done, I've got my um, exercise, I'm my I'm a, I'm a personal trainer, so I understand how to train people in gym. I used to study exercise and sports science, so I, I understand a lot of how this sort of stuff works, and then I can apply it to myself, and I can learn more from other coaches as well and help create a better program. Hmm. That, that, well, then, let's talk about that program because, I mean, Ashley Delaney was one of the premier backstrokers in the world not long, not that long ago. I mean, Beijing, right? Twenty-four. Yeah, it's actually crazy to think he was he was swimming not that long ago. That is kind of wild for me to think. Yeah, it, it's it's. Uh, I mean, I'm an old grandfather here, but I mean, he was a twenty-four and a fifty-three hundred backstroke. He's right there, and and now he's working with you on this. Uh, are you doing fourteen k a week? Is that article correct? What what are you doing? Great. How many times do you swim? How many times do you surf? What what's your typical week now? So you just had trials a week ago. You got to race in three weeks. What are you doing this week? Explain this week. Okay. So it's the end of the week. So I'm probably just going to not to do too much for the rest of the week. Um, but if I was starting this week and knew with what four weeks out from competition, you can afford to do some hard training and do some loading to build up. So this week was a bit higher aerobic spit. Like I threw up three times yesterday in training because the set was so hard. It was like a hundred pace <laughs> set. That's normal. For me. I throw up like two, three times a week and and it sucks. It sucks so much. Beta alanine doesn't help. Nothing helps. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but I do two filming sessions. So I go and work with Queensland Academy of Sport people. They film me swimming. They film me swimming at speed, do some technique stuff. Um, I'll do four gym sessions a week, um, trying to gain strength and size um, with muscles that correlate to swimming. Um, then... I'll do one speed set, a 100 pace set, and then like one in between, like a, like a, a speed to failure sort of set. Um, and I'm doing six sessions that are about, if it's a main set, it might be 1.8K. If it's a, an easy technique set, it might be 2.2 to 2.5K. And then I'll surf throughout the week, depending on when, if the surf is good. Um, I have set times in here for when I do that. Um, I'll do play a game of tennis on Friday afternoons and I always enjoy that. I get, I get pretty tired doing that because I'm not used to being on land and running around. And so I think it's actually way more beneficial than people may think it is. Um, and I'm not doing MMA at the moment because I don't want to get punched in the face <clears throat> or break in a shoulder three weeks before Worlds. <clears throat> but in like the big blocks leading into competition, like if you're six months out from competitions, I'm, I don't care if I'm walking around with a black eye or a bruised shoulder or something like that. That's fine. <laughs> no, I think a lot of important concepts there, you know, we're talking about the type of training you're doing. A lot of people, like you mentioned earlier, think, Oh, it's easy. It's less volume. But if you have yeah. done any of these high intensity workouts, they, they are brutal. Like people in the States yeah. and I think all over give Michael Andrew a hard time. It's like, go do some <laughs> of those sets and, and get back to us. Um, not everyone will be throwing up in the gutter, but they are killer. Mm. Sorry. Um, have you ever done the twelve twenty five set? Have you ever done that set before? So it's twelve twenty five max. So you have to go max speed, five seconds rest, right? Five seconds rest. Five seconds rest. I've. It's not a lot of volume. It's. It's really. That's the hardest set I've ever done in my entire life. Mm -hmm. I. I got. To, I think I started. It's. If I was push, no underwater kicks. I think I started at like an 11.1 of a push and then I finished at like an 18.9 and my stroke rate was 64 to 33 and I, and you just get out and start throwing up. That's not like, that's not, if you told somebody, yeah, I only went, what is it? 300 meters. That's not even that. That's what track people do. That's what hundred meter runners do. That's yeah, track exactly. exactly. If you look at what track swimmers do, if you uh, track runners do, you look at what most other sports do. If they're running a hundred meters, they're not training 60 kilometers a week. They're training like four kilometers a week. 
Yep. They might go and cycle or something. They they do like four 2K sessions. They don't do a lot of volume. And people say, oh, you know, it's gravity, so there's less pressure on the joints. They can't train more. That's not true. You can David Goggins is a point. He's just he's just running. He's still running. Somewhere yeah. right now, he is running. Because your body can do it. It's not yeah. the right thing to do though. Because so the I think the sprint sprint runners <clears throat> um have got it worked out. That's why they go so fast. That's why the world records are insane. That actually surprises me um, that you said that back to the point about um, following up a 50 all out after just doing another 50 all out. I would think that if you're able to do that kind of training and like make it through to the last one, still going as hard as you could possibly go, then, then you would be able to back it up. Um, But that's, it's just so incredibly hard and it's not just physically hard. That's really mentally hard. And I would challenge any, like, dude, if, there are very few people in the world who can do that kind of training and make it through to the 12th effort <laughs> and still truly honestly with themselves be going as hard as they can go. I know that I can tell you, like if I tried to do even by the third or fourth one, I'd be like backing off ever so slightly and it'd be more yeah. like hundred pace than it would be like all out pace. <clears throat> the, the interesting thing about that is um, that's also like the reason that I'm, like, yeah, you have to be insane to do that. You actually need to be insane. The problem is, is that that's, well, the good, no, sorry, not the problem. The good thing is the same voice in your head that's telling you, come on, go faster. That same voice is the thing that has helped me get through the past 12 months is because like, I don't, I don't know how I would have. And, and as you said, not many people do have it and I'm grateful for it. And because mm-hmm. If I didn't have that little voice in my head that was constantly pushing me, then I would not be able to, I wouldn't be swimming still. I have no idea what my life would look like. And, and I think that, for example, that's when people shouldn't have to go through that sort of stuff, not because of how it affects your head. And that's, that's, that's why I've had such a bad year. It's not because of that race. It's not, it's not linked directly linked to that, but it's just, you have to cope and you have to manage all these things and you then have to have conversations with people and then you have to go back and do more training so the squad makes take the piss out of you or something like it's just it's all these things they just i just got sent into a hole it was a really bad hole but the good thing is that voice is still sitting there telling you come on get out of it pull yourself together get out of bed go clean your room and that's what's helped me that voice is just got loud listen to that voice it got louder and louder and louder i kept going um, and I hope that anyone who's in a bad situation like that will listen to their voice. And I think I just want to start helping people because I've been able to pull myself out of the depths and I've learned strategies and techniques to be able to do it easier. And I want to start teaching other people how to do that. Thank you for sharing that. And it's something which I've enjoyed being doing the social kick is, um, being able to bring up topics that we don't talk about in swimming and it, it, it absolutely what you're talking about is in yeah. a sense and we've had people say the same we work so hard to tolerate pain lactate tolerance threshold make yourself hurt and tolerate it it's the same part of the brain that makes you enjoy and love and and be happy and and be and, and be healthy we've had guests on your your colleague zach inserti he wrote a beautiful poem to anxiety you know, and, and his stress and his worry and how he's grappling with it. Um, we've had we, we've had people walking their way through and not having the um, and crying in their goggles and not having the um, the courage to do what you're doing. Uh, I've read I've read some of your Instagram posts and you're being very vulnerable about how you were in your ready room because it's really freaking important that people the age grouper, the kid, 12-year-old, know that their heroes go through what they may be going through so you can maybe help them. So kudos yeah, exactly. to that and, and, and what you're doing. We, you, you're working on your mental health. And I want to say that's probably what, um, why you may be having, maybe why you're swimming fast now. It, it, it's a mixture and, of, yeah, yeah, you're fit as, as hell. You're, taught, you're, you're <clears throat> pushing into your sprinting. But this thing is starting to work and be happy. Yeah. Like this. And that's more important to teach people. It is way more important to teach somebody how they feel during, after a swim, coming into training and how to change that and how to manipulate it 
like as I said, when I was walking into the marketing room for the hundred backstroke, I was so I was so overwhelmed with emotion because I was thinking I've made this big pro change to my program. Was it the right decision? I've gone against whatever everyone's told me to do. I I didn't do a good swim this week. I haven't done a good swim in nearly sixteen months. And I was honestly about to cry as I walked in. But because of what I've learned over the last while, the strategies that I've learned, I'm like, I'm a, like, you need to race. This is what you do. Those emotions that you're feeling are powerful. And I just said to myself, I was like, pull yourself together, grow up, stand in there, walk your, like you're the biggest guy in the room, like you own the room, and then go out there and swim fast. And it seems simple to say that. And not everyone's yeah. going to say that to somebody. Maybe somebody's going to think about their parents or they're going to think about a dog or they're going to think about a little family vacation they're going to do. But you need to learn those strategies because that's how you swim fast. I've seen so many people swim way faster than me in training. I'm not the fastest trainer. I get flogged in training. But I know that I will swim seconds faster than you because they collapse when it comes to a race. And so that's why doing the swim stuff is just as important. And you you need to teach people how to control their mind. And that does come from professionals, but it should be coming way more directly from the athletes who are already in that position, completely understand what, like, what it is to go through it and then transfer that knowledge to people coming through. And that's when you'll see. That's when, you'll, that's when the next blossoming generation will be insane. They will break all the world records. All, this, all the world records that haven't been broken, they'll start getting broken when people learn how to not let issues get to them. Like you said, I think when we're working with athletes, those skills that you're teaching them go way beyond just the pool. Like you said, working on being a better person, being a better man, just to continue to help yourself grow on this larger stage. And it's not just only in the pool. And anything about swimming as well. Swimming is like, if you look at, if you look at life, swimming is nothing. Swimming is like this little, little thing here. It's really interesting though because it has such a big following and a big cult which makes it seem like it's so important. But you look at all the other jobs that you can do, you look at all the other countries that you can travel at and you think and you think about just your little squad that you go train to every morning like it's not it's not that bad. Like it's just, you just need to put things into perspective and once you do that then you can enjoy it a whole lot more. Swimming is not the be all end all. There are so many different options. And I think that's what people do they get so frustrated thinking if I don't swim fast now then it's over. And, and I'm, I'm at fault of that as well. That's what I was thinking before the 100, free, 100 backstroke. I was like, if I don't make this 100 backstroke, I'm not on the team. I just, I just bought a house and now I have to pay a mortgage. If yeah. I don't make this team, then I don't get paid anymore. I'm going to have to go buy a job. All of these things are overloading in my head. You need to learn strategies of how to control that and to use that emotion. As yeah. I said, that emotion is powerful. Use it to swim. And that's my back end was awesome because I just was like, I felt so much energy with 15 to go, which I never do. Hmm. Yeah, it, it reminds me of when Tom Dean said that for a split second, I thought, you know, in the next two minutes, my whole life can change. And I got to get a thought out of my head. And he stayed in the moment in his presence. Uh, I, I want to talk about, we just talked about mental health and, and the injuries that we all as swimmers have to mitigate mentally. But you, you're doing sports that I wasn't allowed to do when I swam as a teenager. I'm a surfer. Mm. I'm not allowed to go and paddle on a board, neck, show I bad shoulders. I, I can't imagine playing tennis, mixed martial arts, but definitely it's healing you here. But how are you mitigating and preventing injury physically, if at all? Yeah, that's a very interesting question. I don't have a specific answer to that, but I can give you a broad answer. I'm very, as I said, I'm very aware of my body. Like there are some people who are like, They'll come in and they'll have a sore shoulder and then they'll they'll stop swimming for a little bit, rest it up, and they'll still have a sore shoulder for months. I was walking down the, the road yesterday and I felt a pain in my hip as I was walking. I, I just sort of thought, all right, where's it hurting? It's hurting there. Why is it hurting there? And I looked, I thought about how I was walking. I was like, oh, my hip's dropping a little bit moving forward. Why is my hip dropping forward? My hamstring's tight. So I went and triggered my hamstring. The pain went away in my hip. So I'm very good at doing stuff like that as, as a normal thing, um, which is another thing. That's just body awareness. I don't really know if, how well you can teach that. So yeah. f- for me, I'm, I, I've, like, I've had a lot of injuries. I've torn my meniscus, broken my leg. I've had surgery on my feet and both of my knees. Um, but you just 
get needs to get better. <laughs> I think yeah. that's the that's the PT in me, and that's the exercise and sports scientist in me. Is like you, your body is actually very much capable of coming back from this. You just need to listen to it. And I think a lot of people, especially in the rehab world, would say doing this type of cross training. Although, yes, Luke might get out there and kill himself trying to play tennis in multiple <laughs> angles just because he's million pickleball. Pickleball. Uh, <laughs> yeah, let's we'll keep you on pickleball. But doing this cross training can not only you know help offset some of the overtraining and imbalances, but also could improve that uh, awareness of your body and your uh, just awareness of yeah. how your body is because exactly. you're more in tune yeah. with it because you're doing different skills to to get to these um, this awareness. Yeah, you know, I was just thinking that just now. I was like. If you're doing something like surfing and say, say you hurt your back, which I did do. I hurt my back like a week out from thingo before a race. I'm like, I hurt my back surfing, which means that I wasn't doing something correctly and that I need to fix that so that it's better for the next time. So I went to physio. They sort of told me about it, a little bit about it, triggered, um, spoke to the doctor about it. And then I learned that I was just, I was just doing something in the wrong position and then started changing that position. And then I don't get the injury. And so that cross training has technically helped me bring that across to swimming already. I think one caveat with the injury is we know volume correlates with injury, but with yes. the higher intensity and the more volume of intensity, will this more volume of higher intensity also lead to more injury? Because obviously when you're swimming at a higher intensity, that's the most stress on the body, right? Yeah. So you're doing a lot less volume, but I'm sure you're doing a lot more race pace and high speed than even anyone doing 60K, 80K, 100K are doing. So where does that line and the research we, we don't know yet because the higher intensity training is is becoming a, it's a newer thing. I have a theory about that is that people who doing this high volume, you know, three times a week, they still would do a speed set. They'll do a specific set. Like if they're doing 50K a week, they're probably a 200, 400 swimmer which means they've got to do 200, 400 pace. Yeah. If you if you have a long day and you're standing up all day and you're walking around, you come home and you sit, the odds are you're not going to sit with a straight back, good posture. You're going to come home and you're going to be tired, you're going to slump. And so when you're yeah. doing all of this volume training, you're fatiguing yourself. You're getting, you're, you've got no energy. You're burning all of your glycogen, all of your energy. You're going to be cooked. And now we're going to go into anaerobic capacity. And now we're going to start producing lactic acid after you already have got no energy. That's called overtraining. And so that's when the injuries happen. It's because they can't, as I was saying, they can't sit up straight and swim with good posture and good technique as well as they could. They, they will be trying as hard as they can, but it wouldn't be as good as they could do it because they're already yeah. fatigued. And that's why I've decided to do less of that and more in different sports so that when I come to do the main sets of swimming, they're exceptional and they're – that they are, I'm not going to hurt myself because I've done my dry land. I'm ready to go. I'm not tired from all of this aerobic training that I'm doing. This will be a good swim. And, and then I can film and analyze it. Think about maybe my breakout was a bit bad here. My catch was a bit loose at the bottom. And that's how you get better. Yeah. It's not just swimming more like that was slow. Swim harder. No, that's a stupid thing to say. You, if you're swimming slow, why are you swimming slow? Oh, you're missing your catch on the right hand. Fix, just try and think about that on the next one. Swim faster. Okay, move on to the next thing. It's as simple as that. that I feel like that makes sense. I feel like yes, I don't true. understand why people don't do that. I agree. It just makes sense, yeah. doesn't it? It's, it's, it's simple to do, but, you know, it's hard for people to break with tradition, though, too. And so for yeah. whatever reason, there was, there was a tradition. And it's like – and I think some of that is because um, – it's the same reason why, you know, pools are hard to get access to uh, when the moneymaker is giving swim lessons and, you know, here, master swimmers, we want to go swim in the pool and it's like lap swim isn't available. I think it's just because like people are going to focus on the thing that um, continues to kind of feed the machine. And I think that that's both true from like a volume standpoint yeah. as well as mentality. You know, they're just like, this is what we used to do. And this is what seems to be like keeping the lights on. So let's just keep doing that. And I think it's really hard um, for that sort of elite level mentality, like somebody at your level 
who's able to and has the freedom to and the program to and the buy-in from a coach and the mental acuity of your like own ownership of your swimming for all, all of this like formula that has brought you to this point today where you um, have developed a program for yourself and you're achieving high level success with it that's hard for that to trickle down to you know early people in the sport it's like they don't get it because they're like okay but i have yeah. 10 or 15 eight-year-olds so what do you want me to have them do? Yeah. You know, so every day I tell them to do this warm up, and then we play sharks and minnows, and then it's like, you know what I mean? I love sharks and minnows so much. Sharks <laughs> and minnows is my favorite game ever. I was always the minnow, and I never lost. I love that game so much. I wish I did it more. <laughs> there could be ten sharks, and I would just be, get, get out of my way. Afraid of sharks to this day. Little did they yeah. know you had a future MMA career. So. Yeah. <laughs> I was playing sharks and minnows, and I was like in the corner of it, and they threw me against the wall, and I just smacked my head against the wall, started bleeding, and I just kept going. I was like, I'm gonna get third past the line. Um, but I do think it's very interesting. You are right, and that's where our, our coaches are responsible for creating uh, a relationship with their athletes, and um, and that's where it will start to come from. And you're talking about this tradition, and the funny thing is, how do you collapse a bank? get everyone to go take out their money and then yeah. the bank has got no money i've taken out all of my money and i'm doing my own little investments if you want to change a tradition then you need to make this change and somebody has to step forward first to make the first decision that wasn't me i'm not i'm not creating something new other people have done what i'm doing i'm just trying to do it myself and so if more people start to do that then tradition will start to change i, I, I want to ask the, my good buddy swam his fifth Olympics at Rio, and he did shit. He was a medalist. He had in worlds and in in, in Olympics. And his last Olympics, his fifth one, he did. He didn't do well. He didn't get up past the prelims. So I I went out to go and 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 see him, and he stood up there smiling, happy as anything. He was at peace. He was so happy and just relaxed. But he was, you know, at the time he was thirty two years old. And he had, at that point, it took, it took him 20 years of elite swimming to come to realization that you are at age, how old are you, 20? I'm 19. What, what, 19. So is it your coaching, your parents, yourself, your reading, your education? What do you think, how, how, how did you get there in, 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 in light of trying to help other people get to where you are? Ooh, that's a good question. Firstly, I want to say I love that story about the guy smiling behind the blocks because I think yes. that being happy before you swim is the greatest thing. I sent a message. I was watching the women's um, uh, in Australia swimming the 100 free and it panned to uh, um, Maddie Wilson and she just had the biggest smile on her face right before she swam. And I sent her a message. I was like, oh, nice. that was, that's the greatest thing I've ever seen. Um, I don't know. I don't know what it is. There are definitely things I can attribute to. I have incredibly smart parents, very successful parents who've been able to teach me a lot of things that, that I, like, I could go on and on about how great my parents are and how much they do for me. And then I think there's a lot of nature, there's a lot of nurture. And I think that I've definitely had a lot of nurture growing up. Um, I think that the unfortunate thing is I make a lot of mistakes the good thing is I learn from those mistakes. And I think the best way to learn from something is to do something wrong and to realize how much you've messed up and then change it. But that's also not the right way to do it. You know, a, mm. a fool learns, a wise man learns more from a fool than a fool learns from a wise man. And so I've been a fool for a long time and I'm trying to become a wiser man. And then I want to start teaching other people the strategies that I've learned and that my parents have taught me, my coach has taught me, people on my life has taught me like I've just had a really good base yeah. and, I, and I want to start sharing that about how to create that base. Man, thank you're you. wise beyond your years. Oh, thank you. I like it. <laughs> I just did a little weird show. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man, we won't keep you too long. Uh, we got a few rapid fire questions. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> what's the hardest race in swimming? <laughs> Don Nowakowski would say it's the 50 freestyle, but he's wrong. Um, it's the 100 backstroke. 100 backstroke. I was 50 backstroke. The 100 um, backstroke is harder than the 200 backstroke. Unpopular opinion, but it's true. 
How about how about this one? If the fifties eventually became part of the Olympics program and you were still at an elite level at this point in time, would you answer yeah. Olympic gold or world record? Would I prefer an Olympic gold or a world record? Mm-hmm. Um, you get paid more money for a world record. I got a mortgage to think about. <laughs> money side of me says world record because you get paid more, but I've, yeah, I guess Olympic, uh, uh, sorry, world record pays more, but Olympic record, Olympic gold would last a lot longer and it holds a lot more value and you get more, a lot more exposure because of it. I think an Olympic gold's like an annuity and it'll pay out a lot more, but uh, world yeah, records, the investment. cash payment up front. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. Um, do you pee in the pool? Pardon? Do you pee in the pool? Yeah. I tell people I'm peeing in the pool. I'm like, hey, I'm just, do you know what? Yesterday, <laughs> I, was, I was about to do an effort, backstroke start. Ash goes, are you ready? And I'm like, hold on, I'm just peeing. I'm just sitting holding the blocks. I'm like, oh, I'm going to go now. <laughs> I'm a little bit lighter that way. Yeah. All right. You got a favorite? Nobody... Sorry. No, nobody what? <laughs> Nobody doesn't pee in the pool. Someone says they don't pee in the pool, they're lying to you. We did have somebody say they don't pee in the pool. Who they're was lying it? To you. We've had they're a few. Lying. Yeah. They're liars. They're, they're liars. They just won't own up to it. Um all right. Do you have a do you have a favorite MMA fighter? Um every day I wake up and I fight the urge to be the Conor McGregor of swimming. Every single day I wake up and fight that urge. I still fight that urge on a regular basis. I can't wait to see it on deck. Awesome. He looks pretty. He looks pretty jacked now. We'll see how the next yeah, fight goes. Yeah, he's speaking of speaking of, uh, speaking of martial arts, have you seen that uh, Elon Musk and Zuck are gonna, yeah. gonna battle it out? That's gonna be a real fight. And if who do who do you, who do you got in that fight? I want I, who would I have in the fight? Um, Elon yeah. Musk for sure. Um, but that fight would be very very interesting. And I would love to see it, and they should do it to the death. And whoever wins gets all the money. <laughs> <laughs> That's a hot take. All right, what's the best concert? What's the best concert experience you've ever had? Music. Actually, I haven't really. I don't really go to. I haven't gone to many concerts. I went to a, a rave once. That was awesome. I, I like a. I have a very uh, eclectic music taste. Um, but so, but I went to one that was like uh, Will Will Sparks, and he plays a bit of um, a lot of drum and bass, bass music, EDM, and I loved it. It was awesome. But I haven't really Sounds had like any video. Glow sticks. Yeah, G- glow sticks, glow sticks abound. <laughs> All right, who's gonna win, who's gonna win the fifty back at U.S. Trials? I have no it's idea. Nice. I have no it's idea. Nice. That will. I actually, I don't follow swimming. If you ask me questions about who this person is or what times they do, I have no, no idea. I was in at Olympics and Worlds at World Short Course. I started to learn who people were, but I was apparently I was like sitting next to I don't know I was sitting next to some famous kid. And I was talking away and I had no idea who it was. I've done that so many times. It's kind of embarrassing, and I think I need to work on it. <laughs> no, it sounds like your uh, your whole your whole training program and everything. It's like I, swimming's this you know, thing that you're good I, at, but it's not everything. That's the whole point. I didn't know. I watched the 100 freestyle in Tokyo. So I was there in the stands watching the 100 freestyle. And then six months later, someone was talking about the swimmer and it was Caleb Dressel. And I had no idea who he was. And I've watched him swim. And I had no idea who he was. <laughs> it's so, were, you so bad. Like a, were you having like a spiritual moment where you just uh, like it, it happened, but you don't know where you were? Or <laughs> I was watching Kyle swim. I was watching Kyle swim. <laughs> I don't care about anyone else in the race. I was watching my bestie swim. It's but that's that's the same with everything. Like I often, if I watch someone win a time, win win a race, I look at the time and then I sort of think about the time and I look at how they swim. But I I don't. I'm not good with names. I forget the names straight away. All right. Well, last one on on swimming then in terms of uh, following the sport. But <laughs> do you have anybody that has inspired you from a swimming standpoint that you look to? The the re yes I do have people who have inspired me but not for the same reasons. Hmm. When I was younger, I would look at people like Carl Chalmers or Mitch Larkin, and I'd see the times that they're going, and I'd 
see the success that they're getting and I would, and I would see the, the people coming up and asking for autographs and asking for photos. And I was like, I'm not going to go ask for a photo. I'm not going to go ask for an autograph. I looked at the times and said, I'm going to go those times and then I'm going to go talk to them on the team. And so they did inspire me, but not from a traditional standpoint. Yeah. And so I think I would often, I'd often think about like qualifying times and, or, or think about the success that these guys would get. And I'm like, I want that. And that's what would help me fight, fight more in the pool. Um, and now I'm, I'm their friends now. And hmm. I think that holds more value than just um, having them as, a, as an inspiration, always being an inspiration. I was able to become their friend from them inspiring me without even knowing it. Yeah, without a doubt. That's well said. All right, last one. How much social kick do you do in this program of yours? 200 meters at the end of every set. Hell yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome. Yeah. I'll man, be here it's super week. fun hanging out with you, dude. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Hey, man, thanks for, thanks for hanging out with us. We appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, no worries, Bill. Thank you very much. All right, gang. That's it for this episode of Social Kick. We'll see you next time. Hey, everybody. Thanks for hanging out with us. If you're enjoying Social Kick, tell your friends about it. And be sure to tell us what you liked by leaving a comment and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Instagram. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel, The Social Kick. And you can find all of our content on our website.